everybody, and welcome back to Popcorn Prattle. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Marcus Sally, executive producer of Shenanigans Incorporated, and one of the co-creators of Popcorn Prattle. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are but a humble podcast that enjoys talking about movies, not in a pretentious way, but as if you just got done saying good movie, you went to the bar, and now you want to talk about it with your best good buddies, and as always... I'm joined by my best good buddies. Let me introduce you to them. First up, you know him. You love him. It's the man. It's the myth. It is the legend. It is Mr. Stephen Bailey. Stephen, say hi to folks at home. Hi, folks at home. And of course, you know her. You love her. She's the ever so lovely, the ever so talented, and just oh so elegant Lady Key of Historia. Thank you, Mr. Sally. You're oh so kind. Thank you. Oh my God. Yes. Are y'all going to be doing this I'm the whole sorry, episode? Mr. Bailey, are uh, you irritated by us? <laughs> uh, a little. What's with the voices? <laughs> What's with the voices? Uh, it's only in honor of the box office smash hit um, of the weekend. Now, m- mind you, I don't think Downton Abbey is going to stay that way. Um, but as well, of this recording, I'm going to take this win and Mr. run with Sally. it. That was a that was a decent Maggie Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Audience, if you don't know what we're talking about, we are of course talking about Downton Abbey. It is so <laughs> elegant. Um, the movie has come out, and I have not gotten a chance to see it. But thank the Lord, Lindley got a chance <laughs> to see it, and she can tell me about all of the craziness that happens. And by craziness, if you've never seen an episode of Downton Abbey. Just know that nothing really crazy happens in an ep- so episode of A Downton Abbey. But we'll get there. There's so much drama. Save the drama <laughs> for your mama. <laughs> for your, no, for your grandmama. grandmama. <laughs> We're laughing. We're I having promise a good I time. won't do this the entire uh, episode, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you. I like watercolors and snow. Well, there you go. He likes watercolors and he likes snow. And you know what I like? I like the lineup of great topics that we have for you guys tonight. We got some Netflix picks. We're going to talk about the upcoming Joker movie, which is going to lead to a very special announcement at the end of this particular episode. Uh, And then, of course... We're going to end the episode with a little bit of Downton Abbey. Um, <laughs> um, before we start, audience, I want you to take a second. If you already f- know that you're going to like this episode, that you're going to like this show, or maybe you've been listening to us for a couple of uh, episodes now, you listen to a couple of backlog episodes, and you're like, man, I really like what Popcorn Paddle's doing. I want you to pause. Pause the audio right now. Okay, and I want you to go to where whatever podcatcher you're using, whether it's Spotify, whether it's uh, uh, iHeartRadio, whether it's Google, um, uh, Google Play, whether it is uh, uh, Apple Podcast, whatever you are using. I want you to go on. And I want you to hit subscribe. I want you to hit that like button. I want you to hit that share button. Share it to all the social medias, okay? We're everywhere. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can find us literally anywhere. You've got no excuse to share us. Uh, and then here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over to 
the Apple podcast area and leave us a review. Leave us three stars, four stars, five stars, ten stars. I know it doesn't go that high, but guess what? If you leave us a comment and a rating, that helps us out. That puts us up on the charts. We get to compete with the other big, uh, big wigs. Um, and guess what? More people can find out about Popcorn Prattle because it's awesome. And you know what? We're all about, you know, feeling good, um, spreading the good vibes, making sure that, hey, you know what? The world is crazy right now. But for the next hour or so, just let all that go. Let's talk about some nonsense. Let's get involved in some some elegant <laughs> Downton drama. Uh, the, you know, the bad stuff is going to still be there. But for right now, take a break from it. We don't have the rights. Sorry. I've been, sorry. I've been listening to a lot of Hamilton <laughs> lately. <laughs> Please don't sue us. Uh, NBC is apparently going to sue us, but. You know they don't need us anymore. They've got their own. Uh, they've got their own uh, streaming service now. Apparently. Oh yeah, it's it's called Peacock. Yeah, it's called Peacock. That's such a stupid it's name. Stupid. <laughs> the only the only name that the only thing that needs to be named a Peacock is either an actual Peacock or Katy Perry's uh, smash hit Peacock. No. Yes. First. Uh, yes. Have you listened or, to the song? Yes, I have heard that bird. song before. My opinion still stands. I want to see it. Uh, you can't uh, even uh, say uh, it. Uh, 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 uh. Or the bird. Yeah, I said the bird. No, the bird. The have bird you heard the, the Have you heard Katy Perry's song? The bird is the word. Okay, all right. I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good advice. Lindley, Steven, ready? are you ready? Ready. You guys, let's prattle. So we're going to start this off. We got a little bit of a nugget. This literally broke the internet for a day. Um, not not longer than a day. It's complete and utter nonsense. But um, a tweet was put out um, the other day talking about the Princess Bride uh, movie. And I I really enjoyed that movie. Do you guys I enjoy love it? it. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. love it. And I didn't watch it until later in life. And I'm kind of glad I Me did neither. because I, I appreciate Same. it more now. I think as a kid it would be like, oh, Buttercup Wesley. But as an adult, you pick up more on the jokes it's trying to get across. But mm-hmm. that childlike feeling mm-hmm. is still there, which I think is the point. Right. Now, here's here's my follow-up question. Do you think this requires Whoa. a remake of some sort? Absolutely <laughs> not. Leave the Princess Bride alone. Because that was what the tweet was about. They there was like it was like mention. It basically it was like you know, like hey we're we're thinking about rebooting Whoa. the Princess Bride and the internet just united as one what? front it, um they they took a break from their area 51 which prep happened that happened to talk it about happened this stupid it, yes it did so on the same yes, day where it was. people are marching for climate change people are yep. selling merch at area 51 yep anyways 
Isn't America Back great? Back to the Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's Carrie yeah, Ellis but, who said uh, it the best. If you don't know who that is, he's Wesley. How do you not know who Carrie uh, Ellis is? He's yeah. like in everything. It's the same he's Jonas from Twister. Who don't know who Ozzy Osbourne is. Who doesn't know who Ozzy? There Never was mind. there was something going That's... around, be like, oh, who's this, and why is he stealing? This person's like image, Ugh. anyways. But I believe he said it best when he said, "There's a shortage of perfect movies in the world. It would be a pity to damage this one." And it's and it's very much the truth. This is what else can you? Uh, yeah, what what else can you say? <laughs> like that. That's perfect. This is this is a this is a great movie. It's a perfect movie. I feel like the more I watch it, um, you know, because is it'll I can't remember when it, uh, it when it usually comes on. It feels like like once a year. There's usually like a marathon of it, um, and it just every time I watch it, you know, the jokes still hit. You know, sometimes you watch an older movie and you're like, man, this does not age all that well. Um, but it still holds up, and you and there's so many like, you know, just big name actors that are in that particular movie. You know, not even just Carrie. Carrie Elwes. That was my first. I think that was my first real introduction to him, or like when I really started to pay attention to Carrie Elwes was yeah. because of The Princess Bride. Um, you know, to to see Robin Wright, um, young Robin Wright. Um, as Princess Buttercup, um, to get that classic line, you know, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. It's, it's just great. It's, it's just, it's so wonderful. It, it, intro- it actually introduced me to Andre yeah. the Giant. Um, I never, I didn't know anything about Andre the Giant, but when I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, who is this guy? And they were like, he's a wrestler. And of course, I wasn't into wrestling then, but now I'm just like Andre the Giant is so great in that movie. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so wholesome. It's and yes, and it's yes. a movie that carries on through the ages. Uh, last month, mm-hmm. there is a group of people in NYC. They're called a Drinking Game NYC, and they will take a movie, mm-hmm. a classic movie. And do a live reading of it, plus alcohol, mm-hmm. and it's such a fun time. I try to go as much as I can. I don't always drink, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's just fun to watch them on stage. It's so great. But yeah. the fact that so many adults are just there and are quoting the movie beat for beat, line for line, mm-hmm. that's is what yeah yeah that's so special not a lot of movies have that but it, the princess bride is one of them it's it's interesting that you say that Lindley, because you know because there are good movies that have come out in recent years um but very few i feel if any uh can match you know the quotability of some of those older movies and that movie in particular I mean, it's so great that even Deadpool did a spoof on it, you know, (laughs) which was which was brilliant. 
It was brilliant. And that was one of the main reasons why I was like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to see Once Upon a Deadpool. <laughs> just not for the movie, because I'm like, I've seen the movie. I just want to see the Princess Bride stuff <laughs> <laughs> and see how they spoof it, um, which I've seen clips and it did not disappoint. <laughs> it definitely did not disappoint. Um, but yeah, I I feel like you know we we and we've talked on the show. I know Stephen, you've said this before countless times. You know, not everything needs a reboot. We need originality, right? You right, know, right. we don't need to take a property that there was nothing wrong with it. You know, it doesn't need to be updated because let me tell you something. When you get and you guys know this as actors, when you get like a a good group together and that magic happens, you can do that same play all you want, but it's going to be it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be different, it's going to feel different and I mean like what they had with those actors and that director and that script and just everything all together, it just worked. Don't try to catch lightning in a bottle again with the same jar. Get a new jar. Get a fancier jar. That mm. is a beautiful metaphor, Marcus. I like that. Thank you. That's I think a... I want to put that in a poster. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's new popcorn prattle merch. We should make it merch. Yes. <laughs> I need to get on that. Don't merch. try to don't try to catch lightning in a bottle. Get a new bottle. In the same bottle. Get a new bottle. <laughs> get a new bottle. Get a new bottle. It's gonna be fine. Unless you're DC. It. Unless you're DC. Don't, don't don't get a bottle, DC. Stay away from the bottles. I was about to say, listen, because uh, we're gonna we're gonna get there. We're gonna get to DC. We're gonna get to talk about DC. But I just remembered something as well that we may want to add to the docket after the break. Uh, we we completely forgot about James Gunn's announcement oh. of this su- superstar cast for the Suicide Squad. But we'll get there. We'll get there after the break. Um, but right now, because uh, if you guys remember from last episode, uh, Stephen was ill. Um, obviously, he is feeling much better. Uh, but he did not get to join in on the Netflix picks last uh, in the last episode. Uh, so, Stephen, you got a chance, while I'm guessing while you were sick, uh, to, to watch a little Netflix um, or just in general. Um, yes. What is your what is your pick for for people this weekend? What should they be watching? Guys, guys, guys. Mind Hunter season two. Ooh. Holy, you... holy God! For those of us who don't watch Mind Hunter at all, i.e., me, <clears throat> what is what is Mind Hunter? I hear a lot about it. I don't know anything about it though. I just hear people talking about it. Mindhunter uh, completely changes the rules of a police procedural uh, TV show. It's based on an actual book written by an actual guy uh, where they went in uh, in the early days of forensics or uh, excuse me, behavioral sciences at the FBI uh, and started their um, they basically would interview serial killers uh, and murderers from prison to try and pick their brain, learn, you know, why they did what they did, how they acted, what they thought in different cases to basically assist them in building up a profile of different types of serial killers. 
So the first season was a slow burn kind of season in which you basically see the uh, beginnings of the behavioral science unit at the FBI. And they have a huge uphill battle because pretty much everyone just thinks it's woo science, um, not based on any real evidence. And that battle, that uphill battle certainly continues into season two. But where season one was really just about, you know, the origins of it all, uh, season two really kicks it up a notch. Um, while uh, they are continuing to build up their database of profiling different types of serial killers, the uh, Atlanta child murders are going oh, on. And right. It, it's, it's based on, so it's based on actual events, just kind of fictionalized a little bit. But whereas a normal show would probably aim to sensationalize that, I feel like it pays such respect to the reality of what happened. Um, it's not just a, it's not just a show where you have victims and families and it's all about the police solving it. It's about, you know, honoring those actual victims because they did really die in real life and not just that, but also giving voice to the voices that were ignored, uh, during that time because it was African-American children being killed. And, um, it really makes a play of that and all the politics that kind of went into, you know, why so many of their voices were being ignored and, uh, the controversy behind it all. And it's just, it, it, it's hard to describe, but it's really, really tense, not in the traditional sense, but it's like, it just keeps you on edge because you are seeing a very realistic depiction of uh, this uh, unit trying to do their thing while also working in uh, a place that still has immense racial prejudice in their legal system. And uh, while they're trying to do all this, they're receiving pressure from above uh, to do things that aren't necessarily uh, in their best interest. So it's, it's, it, it's really intense emotionally and gripping. Um, I can't sing its praises enough because it's just so, I think where it improves on the first season a bit is that it's so much more emotional. Um, and it is, it is a, dis a disturbing show in the sense that, you know, the subject matter it's dealing with, uh, is intense and it is based on real events. But like I said, it's not done in a tasteless way at all. Mm -hmm. It's, um, th they find the guy. Uh, that they think is responsible for it. And of course, in real life, they they were only able to pin, um, I think, two uh, murders of adults on him. Um, and not, and but the show reminds you of that, that they never uh, opened up any cases uh, against him in, real, in regards to the children um, that they believe he killed because they didn't have any physical evidence to prove it necessarily. Um, and it really, I won't give away too many details, but there is a, an especially heartbreaking scene at the end uh, where we're reminded that even though they got the guy they think did it, there's no real true justice for the children mm -hmm. uh, who were murdered. And it's so devastating to see it uh, portrayed by um, the actors playing the moms who lost their children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and to go back to the emotion thing too, 
Guys, like, okay, so one of the characters in a, in a subplot, um, she's she's gay, and you know this is the early '80s, so she has to be closeted. And it doesn't hide away from that fact that everyone kind of mocks it and laughs at, you know, being gay. Mm. So she kind of keeps it, you know, hidden, hush, hush, uh, what her private life is like. And she gets in a relationship with this woman and it's complicated. Uh, She has to stay hidden whenever uh, her kids come to visit, Mm -hmm. her girlfriend's kids come to visit. So one day... Uh, you know, she has just made strides with uh, her girlfriend. They're, you know, ready to take things to the next step. And uh, her girlfriend's ex-husband comes to drop the kids off. So she uh, she basically has to hide, right? And we hear the conversation, but we only see her expression while she's listening to the conversation. And she hears her friend say, you know what, I, I'm thinking about, in, you know... Um, Uh, introducing the kids to a friend of mine and her face brightens up, but then the husband's like, well, who is it? And she's like, Oh, no one's special. And then you see her face fall down again. And then she says something else that's uplifting. And, and then, and then finally she says like the one thing that totally damns their relationship. And it's just like, it's so subtle and beautiful how you see in a matter of like 10 seconds, uh, this woman, um, uh, her name is Wendy. She basically goes from, you know, nervous to excited to sad to finally furious. And it's just, it's just so beautifully acted. And, um, I, I, I highly recommend mind Hunter, especially season two. If you have not started that. Mm-hmm. I will definitely have to check it out. I have a very long list of of netflix shows to check out one of which um i still have to finish because um we got uh we got asked a a while back to continue watching like more animated things and kind of promote that um you guys know me i'm i'm constantly uh watching a little anime and there's one anime that's out now um, well, it's been out for a while, but I kind of put it down to watch a couple other things. Uh, but it's called Carol and Tuesday. Um, have you guys seen this? You know what? It's on my queue to watch too, actually. Yeah, Carol and Tuesday. It's um, this is twenty four episode anime on Netflix, um, and it's not like it's not like your you know your typical like you know giant mech or like there's like a ninja or there's like this destined one uh who's supposed to like fight the great evil at the end of the story arc um this is about two girls who are trying to make it big in the music industry um on mars on mars um, that's it, nowhere yes. near what i was nice. expecting to hear <laughs> yeah so there's two, so you find out, uh, it opens with uh, this girl named Tuesday, um, who she is running away from home because she pretty much has like this very cushy life. And of course she hates it. Um, <laughs> because, and, and it's, and you find. And poor, but like with money. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but she, uh, she's basically, you know, kind of pushed by her mom and um you know her she's told that she has to be perfect and she can't follow her dream which is to become a singer uh so she runs away from her mother 
and she ends up meeting this other girl named Carol, who is an orphan. Um, and she's been, she has no, she has like slight memories of her parents. Um, but for the most part, she just always remembers being in an orphanage. Um, and the two kind of meet together and get together and they realize um, Carol has the has the music. She she can write the songs. Um, but Tuesday has the lyrics. So they put they put the songs together. Um, and I mean, the songs, I would say, you know, they're not anything like like, oh, man, I got to download this on Spotify, even mm-hmm. though I definitely did. Um, after I heard it, so maybe that I'm contradicting myself. Um, but the uh, just the the simple story of it, it almost feels like this could have been a movie. Um, there's like a like a, just a one off movie. Um, the one thing that I I love about it, and I and I know I'm probably getting his name wrong, but Shinshiro uh, Watanabe, he is the director of it, and he is also the director of some like really cool shows that I've seen like Samurai Champloo and coming soon to Netflix, hey. Cowboy Bebop. And he, the one thing I've noticed is that he just knows how, you know, Stephen was talking about, you know, just like beautiful cinematography and, you know, the subtlety and just like watching someone's facial expressions. Um, Watanabe just, he knows how to capture, um, in these like very futuristic worlds, just what makes humans human. Um, and it doesn't matter like how fantastic the story is. You never feel like this is um, escapism. You feel very connected to these characters. Um, you felt it in, in Cowboy Bebop, even though, you know, they're in, you know, these giant uh, spaceships flying around uh, hunting bounties. Uh, you get in Samurai Champloo where it's about these two samurai who are trying to help out this little girl. Um, and then you still feel it in Carol and Tuesday as these two as these two girls try and make it in the music industry. Um, and so far, I mean, again, it's not it's not like an anime that I'm used to, you know what I mean? Like I'm used to a lot more action or in the case of death note, like a lot more like kind of like intrigue and suspense. Um, but I, I mean, I can't lie. I'm having a lot of fun watching this. It's only 30, no, not even 30. It's like 22 minutes long each episode. So if you have like time, like you are, you know, say like Lindley, you're on the subway or something. You're like, oh, I'll pop in Netflix for the for the you know duration of my ride. Um, watch Carolyn Tuesday. It's a, like I said, it's a nice little like something to relax with. It's very, it's not like stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very, it's very, uh, it's very much a relaxing type of uh, type of anime. Interesting. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but guys, I say, let's take a quick break. Uh, let the audience kind of get introduced to a new type of podcast. Um, cause of course, you know, they're going to listen to us. Um, but we want to make sure that we spread the word about other podcasts as well. Um, cause we've met some really fun ones. And when we come back for the first time in a long time, we got a DC yeah. segment again. And then Ooh. we'll, of course we close out with, uh, just the elegance, the elegance yeah. of um, Downton Abbey. Yes. Mm. Oh pip, pip, cheerio. <laughs> Stay tuned. 
experience Dungeons and Dragons like you've never experienced before. So, girls, tell us about Dave. So, tell me Dave's how great I am. a little drunk and all. Feel the tension. We'd like some chips. They don't have any chips. Feel the excitement. 29 more javelins. You gonna throw another javelin? Well, 29 more. Duh. Epic storytelling. This island, as all the locals know, is the island of Atlantis. And you are not welcome here. And with no swearing or profanity of any kind. Ah, uh, jeez. <laughs> this is... Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters. Find out more at DungeonsDragonsDaughters.Podbean.com, your favorite podcast service or preferred social site. We're also on YouTube. So, guys, um, again, we are we are back to your talking about uh, the DCEU. Well, it's not really the, the DCEU anymore, kind of. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what their, what their plan is. I know that the past couple of DC movies... I've actually been good. You know, Aquaman was good. Shazam was Shazam was fun. It was a lot of fun to be quite honest with you. I, I really like Yeah, that. I was pleasantly surprised how much I like that movie. Um and then Wonder Woman is coming out uh in a couple of months. And that that again, I'm I'm excited to see Lindley, you might actually get a trailer for that, wouldn't you? For Wonder yeah. Woman, no, they're not gonna. Wonder Woman's not gonna be at um, New York Comic Con. Oh, that's a shame. Well, we'll keep waiting. Where is my Wonder Woman trailer? Not here. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, you will get. I will tell you what you can get. You can get at least the cast list, not who they're playing, um, but the cast list for the Suicide Squad. Um, this was dropped by James Gunn a um, couple of days ago, and it's massive. It really is, and I'm I'm very much I'm pleasantly surprised by who is on this cast list. Um, some of these people I did not even know that they were uh, that they were even in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but again. Pleasant, pleasantly, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find a... There it is. I'm like trying to find a good picture of it. Uh, so here's who is in this uh, cast. Come on, Twitter. Hurry up. Okay, here we go. Uh, so we've got... And I'm going to butcher some of these names, so please forgive me. Uh, David Dasmalchian. John Cena. Jai Courtney, Joaquin Cusio, Cusio, Nathan Fillion, <laughs> Joel Kinnaman, Mei Ling Ning, Flula Borg, Sean Gunn. You can you can tell the people that I know. <laughs> Juan Diego Bota, Storm Reed, Pete hey. Davidson. Ooh. Taika Watiti, oh. Alice Braga, Steve Agee, Tanashi Kajisi, Daniela Melchior, Peter Capaldi, 
Peter Capaldi. Oh my yes. god, I forgot about that Julio one. Julio Ru- uh, Ruiz, Jennifer Holland, Viola Davis, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, and Michael Rooker. These are all the people that will be in the Suicide Squad. I have a question. Shoot. Is this a sequel or a reboot? I think it's a little bit of both. How can it be both? Okay, so I think it's a sequel in the sense that it does take place after Suicide Squad, but I don't think they're going to reference, make a lot of like hard references to what happened before. Because Birds of Prey, oh my God, guys, Birds of Prey had another teaser trailer. It was very, very It was brief, very though. brief, but it was enough to get me hyped for it. Not so much the movie poster. The movie poster looks god-awful. But the teaser trailer made me excited for it. And I feel like, I don't know, there's a different, there's a, there's a, a common thread to like the look between uh, Birds of Prey the production, uh, some of the photos that we've seen from, or at least like the aesthetic that we're seeing from Suicide Squad and the aesthetic that we're seeing from Wonder Woman. And I'm just curious to see, I'm, I really want to know like what is their master plan? Because it does seem like these movies are connected. These are under like a, a new banner or they're under new direction. But the question is, what direction is that? Because you're building, you're basically building this universe now, not with your Trinity, but you're building it with, you know, these very, obs- I, I would even, I would go so far as to say very obscure properties to say like, you're going to start it off with Suicide Squad, follow it up with Wonder Woman and then Birds of Prey. Does, wait, does Suicide Squad come out before Birds of Prey? Actually, I think Birds of Prey comes out before Suicide Squad. I can check, yeah. but I think you're right. I would say if it already has a teaser, mm-hmm. it's going to come out mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just strange to me, you know? Well, are they still building a universe? Because it seemed like they were... I don't want to say like they gave up on the idea, but it seemed like they were backing off of that because it wasn't working for them. <laughs> they keep saying they keep saying that they are that they are backing off. But the thing is, is that you again, you you're including these characters like Margot Robbie is in Birds of Prey and she's she's like the main character. Yeah. And she's also in the Suicide Squad. And those are. Those take place after uh, Suicide Squad, the first one. Like, they've come out and they've said that. Birds of Prey takes place a couple of months later. And the Batman, from what we hear, which, by the way, uh, someone from DC is listening to Popcorn Prattle because they gave me my wish list (laughs) of all the things you need for a successful Batman movie. And from what it looks like, that movie is going to be... Um, yeah, we want some, we want some money, DC, okay? Because if your universe is success, <laughs> you're welcome, okay? You're welcome. Um, yeah, but 
the Batman seems to be taking place. They said it's not a year one Batman. This is an established Batman. The villains yes. have always been there. And it's a mystery of he's trying to solve something and it involves all of his rogues gallery, which is why they're all there. It's like basically he's going through it's it's almost like the current story arc that's happening city of bane where he's not quite sure who's pulling the strings it's i mean it ends up being bane but he is manipulating all of these different supervillains into terrorizing batman post uh you know catwoman leaving him at the altar so i don't think they're going obviously i don't think they're building towards city of bane because that's a new ongoing comic but it does look like these movies are connected. The question is, how do you how does this look so far? Like these little these little snippets that we're seeing. Is this the sign of DC sobering up? We keep saying that. We do. I I feel like um, if they really want to make it work, they need to they need to commit to that idea for a while. Like, you know. Just tell individual unique stories that, sure, you can have them in the same universe, Mm -hmm. but don't make it obvious. You Mm -hmm. know, like, we don't need a camera to pan over and then linger on the big Wayne Enterprises tower in the background when it doesn't matter, you know, to the story. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't even include an end credit sequence, I I would argue. Uh, to try and tease a setup for the next DC Universe movie. You know, let these movies have their own chance to breathe. That way, when you do start bringing them back together, it feels earned. It feels like uh, you've accomplished something and this is what you really want to see. You know, like, okay, I'm going to compare it to um, Cartoon All-Stars to the rescue. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean... You know, as a kid, you know, you like Garfield, you like the Smurfs, you like the Ninja Turtles, but then waking up one day to see them all coming together in the same cartoon, it like blew my mind. Mm. Like, and it was just, it was that much more special. Now, granted, it was a garbage PSA um, (laughs) and I, and uh, it wasn't that good. And, but you know, as a kid who didn't know any better, it was fine. The point is you know, if you keep putting them in the same movies together, not letting them develop their own stories, mm-hmm. it takes away the the enjoyment when you actually do see them do an ensemble piece. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, you know, like Wonder Woman, you know, I think was uh, really good. It did not beat you over the head with mm-hmm. anything, really. You know, with one exception of like lingering on the Wayne Enterprises bus at the beginning. But other than that, there's no, there's nothing. And then if, you know, to continue making movies where they do start to bring more references in, you know, I feel like that's backpedaling back to, you know, Larry taking too many shots again Mm -hmm. and, you know, letting, letting, (laughs) letting his daughter uh, make the decisions. So, you know, whatever they're deciding, they need to stick with it and not keep you know, backpedaling at just, it's too reactionary, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they wait and see how a movie does. It does poorly. They they start saying, oh, we're going to do it this way. And the fans get like, yay. 
but then a movie comes out and it's not received as well. They're like, okay, we're going back to where we were starting. And everyone's like, no, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. They, they need to just commit, commit. I, th- I think Steven, um, you know, to your point, I, I love the idea of them just building up, you know, just singular stories first. Um, and then connecting them because I mean again if I mean if you're if you're following the MCU template that's what they did you know those end credit scenes they were never like early on they were never like the tease for the next movie per se right. like we didn't stay in the theaters to see that we just see we just stayed to see like how are you expanding on this universe not realizing that maybe that means an, another movie or maybe that means like an interaction with another character or something like that. Um, I, I would, I would have to say when it comes to, when it comes to these particular types of movies, um, I think you need, I think they need to take advantage of the fact that the MCU is rebuilding Endgame is done. You know, they're into phase four and phase four. It does seem like DC, I mean, the MCU is slowly like gaining traction again. They have to build up new stars again. I think DC should take advantage of this and not give competition, but give an alternative. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Stop trying to compete with with Marvel. Just give us an alternative because we've spent 10 years with Marvel's characters. And I've said before on the show, Marvel, the Marvel movies, they're great. But when you read the comics, they're not as good. But you know what is really good? DC Comics. They are really, they are a really fun read. Um, and I cannot sing their praises enough. Um, I mean, even after we podcast, I'm probably going to read the newest uh, Batman issue from this week. Um you know the source material is there. Oh yeah. You just have, but you've you've got to trust it. You got to trust it. You got to follow it, and you need someone in charge who actually cares. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say Kevin Feige doesn't care about money. I mean, who doesn't? You're in that position. You care about money. You're trying to make millions, billions, right? But he's also a super fan. And you can tell that whenever he does like those press releases, those press junkets, you know, he comes out and he's giddy. He's like, "Ooh, I can't wait to tell them what we got planned, you know, and it's like the weirdest. I mean, he pulls out things like the Eternals. Everyone's like, who? It's like Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. That's Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary Outlaw. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the same. It's the exact same. It's the exact same thing. Um, but he's a super fan, you know, and I just feel like DC, they've got some right now they have in the ne- over the next three years, they have birds of prey. That's first wonder woman. Then it's the Batman in 2021, followed by the suicide squad, followed by the flash. And then it's Aquaman two to close out the latest slate of movies. The Flash is still happening? The Flash, yeah, because remember there was a there was talk about it being taken off the table. But I guess it is back now. I guess they, they want it. I don't know. From what I understand, though, I think the rumor is, don't quote me, 
I think the rumor is it is no longer the Flashpoint storyline. Yeah, because that was a mess. That was it was dumb. It was a dumb, and I think they I think they thought like that was their reset button, and then somebody within the company was like, "There's another way." <laughs> we we don't have to pull that trigger. There's another way. Not yet. <laughs> Plus, Marvel's already done time travel, and they pretty much said anybody anybody's time travel thing that's not the end game plot is dumb. No Back to the Future. I don't know. Uh, Larry, what do you think? Well, I know that my daughter really likes that Joker. So can we get like 10 Joker movies? <laughs> 10 Joker movies? What? That sounds great. What's that voice you just made? That, dear lady, was the wild and crazy Joker. Because it's not your granddaddy's Joker. It's the... I... It's... Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And not to say that he sounds like that, but I mean, I feel like, again, this is a movie that I've said it about The Dark Knight, and I'm going to say it about this because I feel like it's the truth. This does not need to be a Joker movie. This could have literally been any other thing. This could have just been about a man with mental illness who... Who had a bad, who had had one bad day and decided to do really bad things afterwards. Um, But having said that, the Joker movie is projected to do really well. Like really, really well. It took the top prize at the Venice Film Festival. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. That's a lot for a comic book movie. And we we called it on the show, though. We said that this was going to be a movie that people were going to look at and possibly say this deserves an Oscar. Because it has that but look and feel necessary? to it. It's not necessary. I've said it from day mm-hmm. one. Yeah, you can make this story, but why does it have to be the Joker? Yes. The Joker is so much better when there's this mystery around him and when he's just being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Why do we need an origin story? Why do we feel the need to understand where he's coming right. from? You're absolutely right. I'm, and I'm going to go see it because it does look, from a cinematic standpoint, it does look mm-hmm. good. But I'm still not 100% on this is a Joker movie. Yes. And again, haven't seen the movie. Won't until it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to save my judgment for then. But these are my thoughts at the moment. I um I had a I had a talk with Dave. Hey Dave. Um Hey Dave. He can Hi, probably Dave. hear me right now. He's upstairs. Um <laughs> He's like, "What? Who's who's calling me?" <laughs> um but we uh you know, we were talking, we were watching wrestling. Um and we were talking about the Joker movie. And he said something that was very profound and I brought it up with you guys. Um, And I'm paraphrasing, so Dave, calm down. It's going to be fine. Um, But he said, um, is this really the best movie to show right now in the world? To show a, and you know, hey, no offense to anybody, but to show a mentally ill white guy decide because he's been beaten down that he needs to now go out and start a riot 
start a revolution and kill people. Is that really the movie that we should be promoting right now? You know what I mean? In 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 light of everything that is happening in the world, tensions are high. You know, we talked about you know, using this podcast to escape. But at the same time, we we also recognize that, you know, there is a lot of darkness in the world. There really is. Um, but movies, movies should be like theater. Movies should teach us something. Movies should inspire us. Movies should move us. Movies should make us cry, to make us laugh. And, you know, that's what they were made for. Um... Movies can be powerful, okay? They've 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 moved people to have like revolutions and do this and do that, um, but this is this is this could be dangerous, you know. Not to sensationalize that. I'm not trying to, but potentially, it could be. If somebody who's not you know, not in their right mind sees this movie. Next thing you know, they're like, like, yeah, he's making a lot of sense to me right now. It's like, it's like when people, it's like when people used to say, like, uh, Killmonger was right. Killmonger's not right. You know, he is, he's, he's twisted. You know, his anger, his, his, the anger that he has, I would say, is justified. But, but the way he's going about handling that anger and dealing with that frustration and now turning around and hurting people and wanting to cause, you know, wanting to create war against anyone who isn't black. That's, that is something that you should not emulate. That is something that you should say like, no, that's, that's the line. That's the line I will not cross. That is what makes you the villain in this movie and what makes T'Challa the good guy And I feel like people, the line gets blurred with this Joker movie. Or it could be. That actually makes me really nervous. Mm -hmm. Just because of everything going on, everything that happens. Yeah. You know, what happened the last time a major Batman movie was in a cinema. Mm -hmm. And now seeing what this movie might be promoting, it's, it's terrifying. I... Going to the movies, it, it's not as fun as it used to mm. be. It really isn't. And uh, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen, what, what are your... Now, now you're actually giving me second thoughts about seeing this movie. No, universe. no, I don't want you to have... Se- no, no, that, that is not my intention to have, to have you have second thoughts about this movie. But... I I just think that again I think it's I think what I want people to take away from from me saying this this is a warning watch this movie I'm sure that there is a lesson to be learned I'm sure that the intention of the Joker movie is not to get people to act violently if you feel like you've been beaten down or or what this movie could very much be a matter of you need to seek help and i hope that that's the message but we also have to understand that we live in a world where people hear one thing and they latch onto that one idea and then they forget they completely miss everything else 
You can't just listen. People, you can't just listen to one side of the story. You got to listen to the whole thing. You know, not to say not to say that this Joker movie is necessary anyway. <laughs> you know, I feel like because, again, you didn't have to make this a DC movie. You could have made this about anybody. And had the same message. But especially with the popularity of Joker right now, where it's at its peak for some reason. Like, I, I, that's what I wanted to ask you guys. What is it? Why are we so obsessed with the Joker as a society? Like, do you guys feel that? I think maybe it's the, the attraction to letting oneself go so thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Like, the Joker, he did have a bad day and just gave himself up to madness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just, the world is a stressful place, you know, where it sometimes it's a struggle to hold ourselves together. Mm-hmm. And so it's that, it's that wonder of, like, what would happen if I did let go? Hmm. It's almost cathartic in a sense. We see, we see it as a cautionary tale, like, he is a monster. Mm-hmm. By what he does in his actions, but he also makes it fun. Hmm. Like he sees it as a joke and he looks like he's having the time of his life. Yeah. yeah. When really he's causing people so much pain. But that attraction to letting go and just throwing up your hands and be like, life's a joke. I'm going to make it so. Hmm. All right, um, so I think I'm going to offer a bit of a rebuttal here. Um, I think it's hard to really say that uh, this movie does that because, for one thing, we haven't seen it. It hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's tough to really analyze um, a film's intent or its influence where it's come out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and I said that like we haven't right, seen it, right, so right, right. this is just my opinions as of now. Um, the idea of it uh, sending the mixed messages, um, I do know that that idea it uh, I don't want to say it originated on Twitter, but I did see the post. I, and I'm forgetting the name of the poster, but they basically posted all the reasons why you know they weren't interested in seeing it. It's like, okay, if you're, if you're predisposed not to seeing Joker, that's fine. That's your opinion. You can, you can do that. Um, but, you know, I've been reading up a little bit on this and all the reviewers who have seen it, most of them seem to agree that it's not so much about, it's not glorifying the violence. It's not glorifying Joker mm-hmm. uh, so much as, and, and kind of comparing it with the comments that's not even based on any, uh, actual Joker origin in the comics. I think that was intentional. And I think you're right that it could almost be anybody uh, because it, it seems like that's the point. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about sympathizing with Joker um, so much as acknowledging that there is violence in the world. Um, and basically what are we going to do about it now? Mm-hmm. Um, that's So it's not... It's not sympathizing with the devil. It's making him know. Yes. And, and, and you know what? The movie comes out. I could be totally wrong on this and, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll admit it if I am, but I just, I just kind of feel like, um, 
it'd be a bad idea to jump to the jump the gun on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll go see it. Um, and and I do agree. Uh, this fascination with the Joker, I honestly feel like. I think it's just because he's one of the most recognizable Batman villains. That's one of the main reasons he's so popular. But I think if you were to really talk to fans like, you know, you, me, we, you know, we agree there are other Batman villains to explore. So I think choosing the Joker, this is, this is my theory. I think it's going to be more a deconstruction of the Joker archetype rather than the actual character. Mm-hmm. Um, using a recognizable villain who's so culturally famous, but then kind of exposing it for how it actually exists in our society. That's my theory. I, we get there and it, if it turns out to just be everything that we've predicted it to be, then I'll, I'll eat my words. But, um, well, I don't think it's a matter of like, we're predicting it to be this glorification of Joker. The, the argument is, is that, Okay, so Suicide Squad came out. Everybody obsessed over the relationship of Joker and Harley Quinn. Now, which was the worst part of the movie? It was the worst part of the movie. But if you watch that movie again, it that movie doesn't actually it it doesn't it doesn't like put like a positive light on that relationship. Not really. You know what I mean? Because I watched it again, and I specifically watched those scenes because, to me, those are the most interesting scenes in the whole movie. Everything else was just kind of like, okay, it's another action scene, whatever. Uh, I've seen this before. You're being too generous. (laughs) Uh, I can't Um, be that generous to that movie. Well, here's my point. You're watching the film, and you do get the sense that this, like, Harley's obsession over the joker is just that it's an obsession it's not love and you can tell from the joker it's not love for harley it's the fact that he lost his toy you know that's that's why he's so obsessed with getting her back um and yet what was the one thing that you saw trending everywhere you saw it Joker and Harley Quinn are hashtag relationship You goals. saw that. You <laughs> saw posters of them together. You saw couples cosplaying like as those two because they're just so they're just so in love. And so it's not you so saw much dancing with the stars do a Joker and Harley Quinn dance. So it's not it's not the filmmakers that I'm worried about. It's the people. It's the people watching it. And that's why I said, you don't you think people have to be mindful when you go see these movies. You, again, you've got to look at the whole story. You can't just look at half the movie and be like, yeah, I'm, I've gotten everything I need. What? Are you kidding me? Because... You, because Steve, you're because pro- you're probably right. Like I'm not even saying you're wrong. I'm saying that you're most likely right. That that's what this movie is about. This movie is taking is 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 showing like how much of a monster this person is. But are people going to see that? Because we saw from the Dark Knight again. Everybody, I can't tell you how many people I heard say, "Tell me, oh, the Joker was right." What are you talking about? 
That man is a psycho. That man literally, he literally turns an entire city. Like his whole mission in that movie is to try and turn Batman to the dark side. He fails. So what does he do? He takes he takes uh, Harvey Dent and he makes him basically a demon. That's the whole point of that movie. That whole point of that movie is him trying to make the Dark Knight exactly what he is. The Dark Knight. He fails. He even said, he even has that line. He's like, you're incorruptible. I can't beat you. This wasn't the point. It was always Harvey Dent. And I did it. I won. But people didn't see that. People obsessed over the Joker and how much he was right. So, okay. So, I, I yeah, I agree with where you're coming from there. I do agree. I think um, a lot of people out there, uh, I don't want to say are cinematically illiterate, but for 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 all intents and for all intents i want that on the shirt cinematically there's a lot of good quotes happening tonight we need to write some of these down (laughs) we should make that the title of the episode cinematically illiterate (laughs) no but i mean you're absolutely right there are people out there that you know don't pay enough attention you know there's i mean and i mean it happens i think we're all guilty of this to some extent um, I may find plot holes in a movie, you know, I think, I feel like personally the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie is full of them, mm-hmm. but I've spoken with people who explain them all away, you know, perfectly. And for whatever reason, I just can't get past them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's my, that's my preference. Now that's just a harm. You and me are going to have talk later about that. <laughs> oh, we should have it over some drinks. Because I think that'll be a fun conversation. <laughs> um, but no, the, the you know, that's a harmless example. But you're right. When you have a movie like this, it is very easy for people to be uh, taking away the wrong the wrong point. Mm. And, and I mean, that's another thing, too. I, I feel like um, that is something else I was reading, too, is that the, it's one of those films where the director doesn't give you easy answers. Mm-hmm. So it's doubly, you know, you're kind of left to your own interpretations. Um, and I think um, the obvious problem there is obviously how would you police something like that? You know, do you take away, you know, from, you know, making a uh, a bold statement uh, just because you're afraid that someone will watch it and then be inspired to do something bad? Or, you know, do you do the um, responsible thing and not put it out there, even if it means not putting your statement out there? Um, It's kind of like a double-edged sword. And for me, you know, I like like trying to come up with solutions to those sorts of things. I just, I would really like to see, not to jump too far off base here, I would really like to see more people become cinematically literate. Um, (laughs) But, but... As I'm saying that, I'm realizing, too, that, you know, any way you analyze something, some people just are predisposed to attach their own ideologies to it. So I, I don't have an easy answer for that either. I mean, it's I teach. So I teach script analysis in my in my tech classes. And the one thing that I tell them all the time is I'm like, you you're never going to be able to really 
separate your own personal opinion, your own personal biasness, just because it matters to you. Right. You know, it matters so much. It's a part of you. You're never going to get rid of it. Um, but I think that we as a society, and again, this is not, and, and you're right, Stephen, I wish that people were more cinematically literate because we as a society, if we just stopped and we took the time to think rather than to just act. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't ask people to think, Marcus. Look, I know. I know I'm asking for a lot right now, Stephen. I know I'm asking for a lot right now. You and I have had this conversation more times than I can count. But if people just did that one thing, the world, I don't know. I feel like it could be better. But oh, I agree. Yeah. But we're just going to have to wait until my birthday because that's when the Joker comes out. Oh. Yeah. Don't oh lord me. Don't oh lord me. Because <laughs> you know what? Because you know what? Before we get into birthday talks, we have to take a trip to not back in time. Even though these creatures should not be in our time and should not be in our world. But I guess we're in a Jurassic world. Because, because guys... Oh, yeah. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why this short film came out. I don't really care. <laughs> but I am so hyped for Jurassic <laughs> World 3 right now. And it's because Stephen posted something in our group chat. Stephen, tell, tell everyone what we're talking about right now. So we watched Battle at Big And Rock. what is that exactly? Yeah. It is... It is a short film, an official short film set uh, about a year after the events of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, directed by Colin Trevorrow and officially sanctioned by uh, Universal Pictures that basically tells a very, it's a short film that tells the story of some campers and their encounter with dinosaurs at night. And holy God, is it terrifying <laughs> and awesome it's and amazing. So good. It's better than Jurassic World 1 and 2. This little short film. It hits so yes. many keys right. Yes. You know, you know what it what really that? reminded me of more than anything? It reminded me of the T-Rex attack scene from the yes. first movie. Yes, very much yep. so. With, mm-hmm. Not like without that being suspense. a yes, the suspense. It wasn't like a direct copy of it either. It just it had that same mm-hmm. energy and spirit and setup. Yeah, absolutely. And because you just you spend that entire you spend the entire short film just agonizing and just wondering if um, if these people are going to make it. You know, the entire time. And you're right. It's that exact same feeling you get when you, you know, when the kids are trapped in the, are trapped in the truck, you know, and they're trying their best not to move. They're trying their best not to be scared. And it's just not working. They're not fooling that T-Rex at all. Allosaurus. (laughs) It was an Allosaurus. Uh, Excuse me, Dr. Grant. 
Well, actually, Billy, you know, these guys are herbivores. They wouldn't actually be fighting. Now, these guys, they're carnivores. Wait, they really about, like fighting. Wait, are you talking about the short film or are you talking about the first Jurassic Park? Because that was a T-Rex, wasn't it? In in uh, in the short film, it's okay, an I was talking about I was talking about the kids in the, and I forget. In the original. Yeah. Oh, oh, in the original, yes. Yeah. Yes. That was a T-Rex. So, well, yeah. <laughs> Rexy. <laughs> It's, I mean, you can't top that scene, but yeah. And you know, one other thing that I really mm. liked about this, I think they found the perfect balance, uh, for one of the darker moments in the book, um, that they could never, and I'm, and I really don't ever want to see them do in a movie. Uh, but in the book, it actually has, um, uh, it's, there's really horrible moment where compies have been eating infants and it's really like the you got to understand the book is not written for kids it's written like a very harsh techno horror story um and of course you know i think spielberg wisely made the movies a little a lot more kid friendly um so i was very it's not something i'd ever want to see but i'm glad that this film actually didn't have issues putting young like younger toddlers in in danger um because i felt like that really kind of is the essence of true horror is like it, it can happen to anyone and it raises the stakes so much well, be careful be careful um, steven because apparently it, i didn't know this but there's like a small did you know that there's a small group of people who are actually angry about the movie it because it targets small children like the the movie that is all what? about oh, killing small kids, people had a problem with it because they killed small kids. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I got to be honest. I don't like stories where children get killed. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. But. <laughs> Right, right, because it just it crosses over from being scary to being mm. just unpleasant and malicious. And, you know, I think for a movie like it, for a story like it, where that is specifically what it's about and it's told from mm. the point of view of the kids, that's one thing. But if it's like, you know, from the point of view of adults and like there was this really crappy TV movie a long time ago called yeah. Night of the Twisters I love that. or something. And I just, I just remember like there's these, you know, teenagers babysitting yeah. a baby in the middle of the tornado, and I was just like, if anything happens to mm. the baby, I'm not watching this because it's, I can't mm. stand that sort of thing. Um, but I did like to see that they were not afraid to raise the stakes, and it was just so in Battle at Big Rock, it was just so tense, and and you know what my favorite part though was mm. of the whole thing. Those end mm -hmm. credits, where they, where they, yes. <laughs> did anyone? Did one of those scenes give you PTSD from Lost World? Because it did me. Which one? The one of the little. Oh yeah, she did. She real yeah. did. <laughs> this little baby dinosaur. Yeah, the person's filming, thinking, oh, yeah, she real did. Uh, little girl's <laughs> dead. <laughs> 
like so dead. Ac- like OMG dead. Actually, the one that got to me the most was the one with the stegosaurus on a mountain. Because, like, that is literally one of my worst nightmares, driving through the mountains and then, like, a tire blowing out and I go flying over the edge. Oh, it's one gosh, of the worst. But, scary. like, <laughs> but to, like, show the dinosaurs in, like, actual human habitats cr- causing havoc and then for them to have that, I'm just like, oh, my God, Jurassic World is going to be horrifying. <laughs> it's going to be so you know awesome. You know what's really interesting to me, though, about all this? Um I wondered at the end of Fallen Kingdom, um, I wondered why, um, how this was going to expand, right? Because if you guys remember, not a lot of dinosaurs were brought to the mainland. There weren't like that many. And I, I constantly wonder, I want to I hear their explanation on why there are now dinosaurs literally everywhere like what was it that made you made it so uncontrollable that now humans are fighting for survival amongst dinosaurs like how did that happen so it's one of those things partly you have to look at the viral marketing but even in the movie itself, like if you look at like the news mm-hmm. tickers and things, it mentions how like before they go to actually save the dinosaurs, there have been like animal trafficking and illegal activity okay. on the island. Um, and, uh, the, and the big thing too, when they ship the dinosaurs out, is that basically the idea is that that technology of uh, cloning dinosaurs has basically become mm-hmm. open source. So it won't just be like centralized to, you know, Northern California. It's going to be in various Mm -hmm. parts of Mm -hmm. the world. So what now, what the plot is, I'm not sure because, you know, I I don't want to see planet Mm -hmm. of the dinosaur exactly. You know, I don't want to see like, um, I don't want to see it necessarily take a planet of the apes <laughs> approach. And then we end up with a movie where the it's millions of years in the futures. And then these super intelligent velociraptors right. are wearing lab coats and they're like, we have made biological attractions so astounding that will capture the imagination of the entire planet. And they've right, successfully right. cloned humans. That would be like, okay, this <laughs> is officially dumb. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. We start seeing coexist stickers and then one of the letters is a dinosaur yeah. <laughs> i'd be like I no no go back that. to Jurassic park three <laughs> but to get it more more so like maybe like what we saw from the matt reeves version of uh of planet of the apes you know we're like you right, know the second right. movie it's very clear that humanity is still still on top they're still in charge um but the apes are slowly starting to gain more power um which to me was always that was i was like that's an that's a more interesting choice than like you said for it to be in the future and now apes are you know like you said wearing clothing (laughs) that's a little that's a little much (laughs) but um but no i i i'm excited for this i'm glad i hope we see more of of this um and i hope that we get more hints as far as like you know just how the world is evolving as well 
um, with the fact that dinosaurs are there. And I hope that Claire is in jail because she brought this evil upon us, Ricky Bobby. She did. How did she not, Steven? She was the one who hit the button. She didn't know no. it was Maisie. There was a little girl. Oh, did the little girl hit the button? Oh, little girl. She shouldn't yeah. have been. No, she shouldn't have gotten a chance to hit the button. She was basically saving herself. Well, they washed their hands of this Ridiculous. Mess. <laughs> so basically, I was right the first time. Claire needs to be in jail. Uh, you know, I have always wondered how Claire never got, like, sued out of existence after the events of the first Jurassic World fault. movie. No. Wasn't it, though? It was that one guy. It was the uh, it was the new owner. Yeah, it was it his was fault. Ronnie. Oh, and they probably, they probably blamed it on Dr. Ooh. Wu, too. No, 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 no. Yeah. You're right, you're right, no. It, Dr. Wu was a part of Shady Dealings. Masrani basically, he hired Hasn't people. Hasn't he been eaten yet? Huh? Dr. No, Wu. he gets away. He been eaten no, yet? but I predict, I predict he's going to get eaten by Blue in the third oh, one yeah. because he dies by Velociraptors in the book, so it just makes sense. But um, And it'd be mm-hmm. poetic justice. But no, okay, in the viral marketing in the... Um, <clears throat> dinosaurprotectiongroup.com You're um, such a nerd. They actually revealed that uh, I know, I know there, I, I could tell Please you don't. a lot I know, I know but, uh, <laughs> but no um, <laughs> well, gonna, I will say this I will say this uh, Masrani was basically John Hammond reincarnate except he unknowingly hired people like Henry Wu and other shady people like uh Oh, that guy Vincent D'Onofrio played, uh, who had ulterior motives and worked for, I don't know, shady animal mm. cruelty people or whatever, the military, I guess. Um, and uh, that basically was the downfall. Um, so, yes, Henry Wu is a very complex guy. Uh, he's, he's basically Frank, mm. Dr. Frankenstein. Mm. So, yes. I'm excited yeah. for Jurassic World three. It'll be very, it'll be very fun to watch. Sorry, Finn. Finn was in the background. He was like, "I want to be, I want to be on a podcast too." You gonna be on a podcast, Finn? <laughs> yeah. Finn's coming. Finn is He's a dog, ladies and gentlemen. Come be on the podcast, Finn. No, okay, that's fine. It's all right. He's like looking at me. He's like, are you going to go to bed anytime soon? <laughs> this is not. When my mom's here, she's never stays up this late. <laughs> We're going to bed soon, Finn, because now it is time. Dare I say. It is main event time. It's main event time. Lindley. Yes. Lady Key. Yes. I've got my tea. I've got my crumpets. 
But are you ready to spill the tea? Ooh, my gosh! I, I, <laughs> my, 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 my arms! I'm not even kidding you what right now. The hell is uh, goosebumps here? right now, Stephen? Literal goosebumps again. I am pretty sure I'm going to be the only, and no, Lindley can, Lindley can vouch for me. Okay, Lindley, when I go see Downton Abbey, will I be the only straight black man there? Probably. I'll, I can live with that. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to because I'm going to see this in theaters and I'm going to very proudly be like, one ticket for Downton Abbey, please. <laughs> like, are, are you sure? Yes, I'm quite sure. Quite, indubitably. <laughs> indubitably. My roommate and I, we were just talking with silly accents and we decided that if you're going to talk like someone from this time period you have to talk like you're you 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 just bit a lemon you're pursing your lips like this you're you're just doing you're just doing uh maggie smith but it's it's a mix it's a mix of maggie smith and claire foy from the crown oh yes yes so it's a little mix of that she has Uh, a lovely accent oh she does she's lovely herself Mm mm-hmm uh, but yes, I did go see the Downton Abbey movie. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to catch up all week because my my mother is a huge fan of Downton Abbey. I've been watching it for her, and I got really into it. And I went to go see the movie, and it was fun. Lindley, so to to start, because again, I feel like a lot of people might not know about Downton Abbey. Some people might be listening to this and like, why are we? <sighs> we just don't so long talking about joker and now they're talking about downton abbey what is that um <laughs> please explain to us exactly what is downton abbey well downton abbey is a show it ran for six seasons on uh, i believe bbc and also pbs masterpiece and it follows the story of the crawley family now the crawleys are a wealthy um nobility in england they live in york Around the show starts in 1912, mm-hmm. and it, it starts off right on the drama because it starts off with the sinking of the Titanic. You don't see it, but you, uh, the Crowleys, you know, they had a family member who was lost in the Titanic. <laughs> it's so elegant. Why, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and it follows the Crowley family. Uh, the lords and the ladies of the noble household, but it all there's so many characters. I'm not going to go into them all. You just have to watch the show. Yeah. It also it follows the upstairs crowd and also the downstairs crowd, which are the maids, the valets, the butlers, the cooks, the ladies' maids, and everything in between. So it just it's a show of high drama, of costumes, history. And it's just, it's, it's elegance. There's not it's, really like, I, I do have to say this. Okay. It's all manners. It, it really is. There's nothing. It's like, don't expect like explosions or like there to be like, you know, like a, a huge gunfight. Like occasionally there will be like a fist fight, like a fisticuffs fight. Fisticuffs. Right. Well, the second season does dive into the horrors of world war one so you do get some of that in season two but it's mostly an emotional kind of drama right and there is 
I'm bringing this back from the last episode. There is the occasional murder. 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 <laughs> so that is that is Downton Abbey in the tiniest of nutshells. And the show ended with everybody's happy, everybody's in their own place and where they should be. And the movie happens. I forgot exactly when Downton Abbey ends, but Downton Abbey is back. Everybody is still in the kind of the same place they were when they last left off. Mm-hmm. You know, one sister is married to a marquis. Um, well, that's the that's the French pronunciation of it. I'm not sure what the English version is. She's married off. The other is now running Downton herself and is remarried and happy and they have babies and everybody is just British and proper and happy. So the movie, the main focus of the movie is getting back to where we were, but also the king and queen are coming for a visit to Downton Abbey. (gasps) The king and the queen. You don't say. I do say. But not only are the king and queen coming, but they are bringing their staff as well so the upstairs Uh-oh. people are they've got their own drama but the the heart of the movie mm-hmm. and what really like drives the plot and the interest of the film is the downstairs people just not knowing what to do mm-hmm. because the these people from Buckingham Palace are coming and be like, this needs to be done. This needs to be done. This needs to be done. Okay, great. We'll do this. Oh, no, 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 no. We have people who are going to take care of this. You just stay, stay down here. You stay hidden. And they're like, they don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, we're, we're supposed to do nothing? <clears throat> what do you mean nothing? We run this household. You don't know anything about this household. We run this. And it's really entertaining to see what they decide to do, how they go about doing it. So it's a lot of fun. As for the upstairs people, to be honest, it's if you're looking for a movie with high drama and high stakes, there's not a lot of this. In this movie. Mm-hmm. And considering how Downton Abbey is so dramatic, so high costume drama, the stakes are not high. There is a subplot that kind of gives that tension between a couple characters. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's just fun. I'm, it's it's getting back, it's getting your feet wet again into the world of Downton Abbey, into the glamour, the dancing, the manners, the, you know, just how life was back in the day. It's like you're, they're getting your feet, getting your feet wet again, and then they pull you back out and be like, well, that was fun. Well, that's, that's just like, and someone, one of my friends, he, he said it perfectly. Um, I feel, because it sounds like that's what you're saying. He was like, it was an extended episode of Downton Abbey. It really was. It was a two-hour episode of Downton Abbey. It wasn't necessary (laughs) in any means at all. I will fully acknowledge that. 
this movie could have gone unmade and you would be fine. Uh Uh-huh. But as it was, it wasn't bad. It was fun. It was gorgeous. Yeah. To look at because they have a movie budget now so they can film the house. The the show in itself is really about the house. Yes. And the estate. It's not just one person. It's everybody under that roof. Mm-hmm. Upstairs people and downstairs people. And the people residing in the village. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you you have the plot with the king and queen. You have the, the secret plot. I won't give it away. It's really predictable. But it is something to kind of be like, ooh, what is this mystery? Yeah. Uh, it was very nice to see McGonagall and... Excuse me, who? Uh, McGonagall. I'm sorry, and who? McGonagall. The Dowager Countess of Grantham? No, I mean McGonagall because someone else is in this movie. Someone who used to wear a lot of pink. Oh! <gasps> The Energizer Bunny. You shut your mouth right now, Stephen. Uh, yes, Me and there this is woman. a new character. There's a new character in this movie, and oh shoot, I'm forgetting her name. I hate myself for forgetting her name because she's such a talented actress outside of Harry Potter. But the woman who plays Professor Umbridge plays a big part in this movie. You and it, must be kidding me. I'm not. I kid you not, dear sir. I don't know if I I'm like gonna that. I'm going to look up her name right now because I'm, I'm, I'm going to kick myself for forgetting. I'm just, I can't get over the cast. I can't get over like all these people are back. It's great. I I love it so much. Amelda Staunton. Thank you. Yes. She's, I hate forgetting, like she's done so much great theater recently. She She's played Mrs. Lovett. She's played, um, she was Mama Rose and Gypsy. She's great. Uh, she plays a very subdued role, but a very likable role. She's a she's another family member, a, an estranged family member who is a lady in waiting to the queen. And she has a plot in there. Uh, things go about the day. Uh, there is a budding romance, and it feel it feels nice because the person, one of the people involved in the romance, it's their t- like it's their time wait wait a minute is it um i'm not gonna say the name but is it someone who used to be a bit of a radical mm-hmm. <gasps> really yeah oh i'm so glad i was so worried it feels so nice and it's cute oh my gosh it's so cute he he plays a big part in this because it's also there's tension from him for him because there is a character in the show called tom he was a chauffeur at downton Fell in love with the youngest daughter. R.I.P. Sybil. But, <gasps> Sybil. But over time, he, because of uh, his relationship with one of the daughters, one of the upstairs daughters, they he he's integrated into the family, but he's Irish and has a lot of political views. Political <laughs> views that do not fit into the world of Downton Abbey. <laughs> a lot of political views. <laughs> literally every I mean, every it? other episode was him talking about the irish <laughs> <laughs> i think the irish should have the vote we we're just so having he's dinner not, he's not a he's not a monarchist he's a republican <gasps> and so it, there's some tension be like is he gonna do something when the king and queen are here oh <gasps> i didn't even think about that Mm-hmm. Oh no! So there's some tension there. So there's that drama. But again, <laughs> other than that, 
the stakes aren't that high. <laughs> but it's it's a lot of fun. If you love it's made for fans of the show. Oh. If you're a fan of Downton Abbey, you're going to love <gasps> this movie. And the good news is, at least if you see it in AMC, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen Downton Abbey, they actually give you a complete run-through of the show. Oh they give gosh. you a recap before the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. I forgot about that. If you're looking for just a kind of a relaxing night mm-hmm. at the movies, I go go check out Downton Abbey. It's 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 careless fun. Sometimes something to do, something to do on the weekend. If you know, if you don't know Ooh, what a weekend, what is the weekend? What is it? What is a weekend? What is a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> that was when that that line convinced me to watch Downton Abbey from that moment forward. <laughs> And I, I think my, my right hand to God. <laughs> it's, and oh, I wrote, I, I cried during this movie. But it's also kind of on a personal level. And Maggie Smith got to me. Oh my God. She, she has a scene towards the end of the movie yeah. and it's just very, it's very nice. And I, I did cry. So question, especially, yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt but you, but I have to know this. The Bates. The Bateses. Are they still oh, are they still the cutest couple in the world? They're f- you don't see a lot of them. Oh you, man. Anna Anna has more more of a relevance to the movie. Oh that's than fine. Bates She's does. my future wife, so that's great. How many I mean I do I do like Bates. Bates? <laughs> Bates, I love Bates. Get get me my coat, Bates. <laughs> Uh, Thomas Thomas plays a big part. Thomas is he still an ass? Not as much. He, they make him very sympathetic in this movie. Well, he's always been kind of sympathetic because once once you figure out like why but he acts like the a, way that he does. I mean, he still has that like like up uppity, but he has some puppy dog moments. I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this. Mm. Well, he he did his character did get better once he became the under butler, yeah. And he became like a little bit nicer because he was. It was like one of the kids. Like he like really liked them because it was wasn't it Sybil's kids? Sybil only had well kid Sibby. yeah Sibby, oh Sibby, Sybil. Oh, oh my still, gosh, I'm still not over Sybil or Matthew Crawley. I don't know. Shut how your you mouth. Kill off I don't know how you kill off Dan Stevens. That's not okay. Uh, it's called he didn't want to renew his contract. <laughs> that's what that's called. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Lindley, thank you. Thank you for for the invite to Downton. Oh, you're quite welcome. I- we'll see you here anytime. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm literally, I'm like, I'm not even putting on like a like a, a voice or anything. Like I'm legit pumped for Downton Abbey. You would you would <laughs> think that I was getting ready to watch like Black Panther two or something. <laughs> like the way I'm acting right now, it's like it's the same energy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, audience, Finn is somewhere. Finn's like staring at me to be like, go, go the F to sleep. So 
I think that is what we're going to do. We've had a lovely time talking with you guys, but if you want to continue talking with us, there's a number of places where you can find us. Uh, Steven, where can the folks at home find you, bud? Uh, folks at home, if you want to follow me on Twitter, just type in at St. Albrey. Uh, if you want to follow my YouTube channel, just uh, go to YouTube, type in Bailey's Film Workshop. You can find my videos there. And Linda Key, where can the folks at home find you? Folks at home, you can reach me at on Instagram at Little Lottie. That's L-O-T-T-I-E. I'm back on Twitter. Hey. Um, I'm back on Twitter for reasons. Uh, glad to be there. Uh, and that's Little Lottie 91 because someone took Little Lottie and I'm fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, uh, Instagram, Twitter. I have a cosplay Facebook page where I'm posting all sorts of things, getting ready for New York Comic Con in two weeks. I'm not ready. You remember my birthday? And... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and... Why won't you love me? <laughs> <laughs> and you can also find me... I'm not, I'm not answering that question. Let me do my plugs. I'm sorry. You can also find me writing for Universal Monsters Universe. I write for them on their blog. I help with their Instagram page. I also am on Outlander Cast. Uh, they're Yay. a wonderful podcast and blog. I write for them. I do a series called Sesanak Spotlight. Uh, there may be another article coming out soon. Kind of connected with New York Comic Con. Mm. So we'll see about that. But I write for them, and now I'm helping out with their Twitter, so that's also why I'm on Twitter, so I can be like, I'm tweeting again. Yeah. Let's do this. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, OutlanderCast, Universal Monsters Universe. Go, go, go. And you've got a, you've got a nifty shirt. Is that, are those shirts up for sale? No, well, yes, you can buy, uh, yes, you can buy OutlanderCast merch. That one is a special one because it says staff on the arm, because oh. mm-hmm, I'm an OutlanderCast staff member, y'all, mm-hmm. and I'm very proud to be so, but they actually have, um, Mary and Blake have a store where you can buy your own OutlanderCast merch. They actually just put up a shirt that is, it has the stones and it says premium woman on it. Mm. Remember that conversation we had? A little bit ago about the premium woman. Sure. So if you are a premium woman, go go get that. <laughs> oh, man. And folks at home, uh, if you want to reach me, you can always find me on Twitter at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore Leroy, L-A-R-O-Y. Uh, you can hear me on a number of different audio dramas uh, coming up in a couple of months um it's still in production um but the adventures of beauty and the beast uh you can also hear me on garbage town the musical audio drama and uh you can listen to the complete first season of continuum force on spotify and i believe it's also on itunes and i want you guys and i want you to i want you to do me a favor because i i am announcing this here first so I can be nominated for best lead in an audio drama. Ooh. And all I need is one, two more people 
hint, hint, wink, wink, to nominate me and the show Continuum Force. I'm sorry, I'm not picking up what you're trying to say, Mark. That's okay. Someone out there, <laughs> someone out there that love that actually loves me, go. <laughs> I'll put the link in. Uh, it's the it's through the uh, audio audio verse awards um, online. Um, even if you don't nominate me, that's fine. That's cool. I don't need to be nominated. Um, but Continuum Force really is a well-written audio drama. I do hope that you guys will check it out, and I hope that you guys will consider uh, nominating it for an award because it would be awesome if that could happen. Um, now, just one little bit of housekeeping. Uh, so, guys, we are going to take a bit of a two-week hiatus um, for a couple of different reasons, but the big, biggest reason is, um, it's my birthday in two weeks and I ain't going to be here. I'm going to be up in wine country again. Um, Ooh. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> for a second, the way you worded that was a little alarming. What? Never mind. We don't have time. Um, we could talk after the show. Um, we, I'm going to be up in wine country. Lindley's going to be uh, at New York Comic Con. Uh, yeah, I am. Come find me. And Stephen is uh, having his wedding anniversary um, in October. And if we just hold off the show for two more weeks, um, we can get to a point where all of us will be in a much better place to record and we can get you a spectacular uh, Halloween special. And we we have an idea on what we want to do. It wouldn't be a long episode, um, but uh, it will be a very fun episode. And you know how we you know how we feel about our fun episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so please um, check out our back catalog of episodes. We'll see you again in about two weeks. And uh, yeah, I think that is everything. So before we leave, we leave you with this. From all of us to all of you, we wish you peace, love, and tranquility. You all take care now. Make good choices.